Dolly Parton's got her shit together. My name is Matthew Grohl. And did you know she had her own theme park? My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Honey Boy. Honey Boy. Honey Boy. Honey Boy. Now, this is going to be an interesting one because you and I are self-isolating and are recording in different spaces. Sure. That works. <laughs> now, what you might be hearing, uh, uh, wonderful listeners who are still out there, I hope you're all well, um, is I might have used a program called Pizio, which records a Skype call directly, in which case Shahir's audio might sound a little tinny, but we're also trying to do something where we match both of ours. If we record each thing on our own end, here's a little bit of how the audio sausage is made, and then I'll mix them together so long as we don't echo in one another's headphones. We could be all good. We could be as sweet as a boy made of honey. Oh, yuck. That sounds sticky and gross. Um, <laughs> also, our timing is going to be off. <laughs> ah, never, Just, it's, it's never off. It's never a dull moment. We're always on point. Aren't we? No. Oh, no, we're not. It. God damn it. Yeah. Um, no, we are uh, taking, obviously, the uh, COVID-19 virus a little seriously and deciding that we are going to record separately, as I think everyone should be, uh, if you record a podcast right now, but also just in general taking that uh, that time to self-isolate, uh, if possible, uh, to prevent the spread of coronavirus. And um, I, I'm going to make a little vow right now, which is other oh, than no. the first email <laughs> that I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to try and not talk too much about COVID-19 this week, because I think we have... I've talked about it a bunch. Uh, yeah, but, no, I'm uh, all about I'm, it. That was my whole yeah. thing. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't want to talk about it at all, and I'm good with that. Um, but uh, I did want to say just a couple of. Well, okay, let, no, you know what? Let's get are it out of our system. Are you gonna break your vow already? No, let's just get it out of our system first. How you? How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Listen, man, I. Okay, look, we all have a lot of different things going on, and for instance, like, you know, all there's complications with everyone who has a family. Like, the, you know, people are being hit by this all over, and it's incredibly frustrating and sad and um, and, and rage-fueling, etc. Uh, I have some personal stuff I'm not going to get into on that end of things, but, but outside of that and outside of seeing sort of my family and friends' uh, sadness and just the, the, the overall malaise of fear that we have due to all the misinformation, um, my life, like my day-to-day -day life, because I am privileged as all fuck to be able to work from home already, which I've been doing for roughly two years now, um, other than like not going out to a restaurant, like th that's, I, I'm, I'm it, it doesn't feel odd yet for me. And I know that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> Um, because I'm getting sort of both sides of it, right? Like I'm, I'm, I know, of course, what's going on because it's just a litany of fear on the uh, on the horror box, aka your cell phone. Um, but then also, I'm still making YouTube videos, so in my house, I don't know. <laughs> it, so it, it's it's a weird combo for me. How are you doing, man? Uh, it's an interesting time. Obviously, my wife and I are working at home uh, with a child. Uh, and, uh, you know, the meme that's going around right now is that anyone who has started to homeschool their children has suddenly realized the teacher should be paid a million dollars a year, yeah. uh, which is absolutely true. I will say uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, fascinating resources that are popping up. There's an author by the name of Mo Willems uh, who uh, has written a, a fantastic children's book called uh, Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus. Okay. Um, it's a, we, we've been reading. Uh, his books for years he is hosting uh, every day a doodle with mo uh um session on youtube where oh. he just talks to kids about uh how to doodle and how to draw the uh 
artwork from his books, and they're really wonderful. And uh, this, I can never get my son to draw, but he sits down for this. He gets himself a cup of milk. Uh, he gets his pens out. He's really <laughs> interested in it. Um, he loves drawing. And then his his drawings are really good. Like like my my kids, not Mo Williams. I mean, and they're you know he you know he knows what he's hey, doing. Who's is better? My who's kids, are better? Um, I'm gonna go with my kid. I'm gonna go okay. with my kid. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say my kid could have been a published author. Um, and frankly, at this stage, financially needs to be. Yeah, um, I mean, but... I, no bias there at all. And uh, truth, <laughs> truth in advertising. Truth in advertising. No. Um. As for work, I am actually busier than I've ever been this year. I think I'm gonna be working. Every single day for about 12 to 13 hours a day at this point um, on five or six different projects. Uh, Everyone is switching to remote work. So um, we're sort of uh, at the forefront of that with post-production. Isn't Um, it funny, Shahir, how before something like this, remote work oftentimes was scoffed at and considered out of the question. But now... it's. Oh, it's, yeah, the, it's the soup du jour. You know that whole thing I said about coronavirus, not not discussing coronavirus. Let's just do this. Um, I think we're going to be entering a new reality uh, after after this, depending on how long it lasts. Yeah. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how it works. But I'm I'm uh, while I am horrified at the suffering that will happen right now, and there will be a significant amount of it, from what I can understand. Um, particularly, shout out. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to shout out. Shout out to all healthcare workers right now who are mm-hmm. at the front lines of this. Um, and and who are, uh, you know, going to work because we some of us are refusing to self quarantine or self isolate. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I want to just you know point that out that, that that there are a lot of people out there who are working very very hard and tirelessly to to help fight this problem. Um, the second thing is um, the stores. You know, like the sad thing about where we live right now is almost every cafe restaurant has shut down either for either permanently or for takeout only um i took a walk today with my son and every store except the pharmacy was open um uh, sorry every store was closed except the pharmacy um Mm. and uh it's a really tough time on those business owners and i you know first up shout out to the pharmacy for like staying open all of them in masks all of them in gloves all of them you know trying to make sure that everyone gets their prescriptions um and you know the these uh, these business owners that are shutting down as well. We're about to get an abject lesson in how the economy works, yep. um, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. So uh, that's my coronavirus talk, except for this one email. Matt, is there anything else you wanted to add to to the sort of sentiments growing right now? Other than the doom and gloom, I will say I have seen a few um, somewhat novel uh, takes. With with some people doing some things that are that are also sort of safe. For instance, you know, restaurants are shut down, right? Um, however, restaurants with front facing windows, like uh, there's a coffee shop in Queens. Uh, you yeah. know, I was walking by to go to a grocery store, and um, and because I hadn't been outside of the house in three days, um, and they were serving with masks and gloves, and they had little chalk lines on the sidewalk for six feet for like people to wait in line, right. and they were they were serving coffee. Uh, like you could get a cup of coffee, and there was something just nice about that normalcy, um, yeah. but also within the social guidelines of making sure that people are as safe as possible um, yeah. in that particular situation. So shout out to actually Queen's Room 
uh, which is the coffee shop I am discussing in Astoria. They are doing a great job. Um, and I don't know. I, I Again, I do want to also uh, mirror your thing. There are millions of people out there that are going to work in places um, so that the rest of society does not crumble. And I thank you very much if you are one of those people listening in. Yeah, uh, I, I 100% echo that sentiment. Um, one email we got this week, uh, which is again reflecting uh, the new reality which we're going to uh, encounter. And, and I, I, at the reading of this email, I think details have changed already, but this comes from our favorite, uh, one of our favorite listeners, uh, Turst Man himself. Oh, what up, uh, and that. Uh, what up, Tourist? Uh, Zach, who writes in, Hey guys, I hope you're doing well. As you've definitely heard, movies that were in theaters are now being brought over to VOD. By the way, you can uh, now catch The Invisible Man, I believe, on VOD, yep. which we reviewed just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this has led me to a, down a rabbit hole of thought, and I've concluded that this will be the tipping point for many publishing companies to finally abandon the theater market. Uh, as you here knows, I work in a movie theater, and I've seen the drastic measures some companies, including mine, have taken to stay profitable. Uh, This has resulted in work hours being drastically cut, more gimmicky ideas being put into showings, and an overall dip in the quality of projection, at least in my theater. Mm -hmm. The reason I bring this up is that I believe this, as well as moves made by companies in the last couple of weeks, spells the end of movie theaters as we know them. My question for both of you is one that could warrant an entire episode, but I am really curious to hear your response. Do you think that the movie theater industry is dying? And if so, what measures can be put into place that will attract customers while not sacrificing the movie's quality or lack thereof? So Um, interestingly, thank you, Tersman. I I have an idea, Shahir. Okay, hit me. Why don't we, and I know this is a little bit of a teasy teasy nonsense thing, but um, Mm. this is going to be something that I think is a bigger conversation like he calls out than just a quick thing. Um, So what I would propose is I'd like to give our own literally like sentence long answer to this question, but also then we should do a whole episode on it when we can actually do some more research and because because it's there's a lot going on with that. And I think that's a a, it's a much richer topic than than we have time for. Okay, so but do you have a one word one sentence? My one sentence. Yeah, my one sentence thing is. This will be the death of the movie theater industry as we know it. However, it will have a renaissance that will feel uh, that'll cater to nostalgia. And I don't know how long that'll be until then. Okay. I think that's fair. Uh, I think um, for me, the reason I find this question difficult to answer is that I think uh, for me personally, the the world as we know it after uh, the coronavirus spread uh, is one that I'm uncertain what it looks like entirely mm. in terms of like, how do we interact with people? Are we still, uh, will we be as cautious as we are, which means that large gatherings will just not be a thing anymore. Um, I'm not certain of how that will work. I will say there's a couple of things that have come up that uh, I think are uh, promising and interesting. W- one is that, you know, people are starting to release things on VOD on demand because they realize, um, you know, probably for financial reasons, but also there's an altruistic purpose to this, which is that they know people are stuck at home and need something to do. So we hope mm-hmm. uh, that our podcast is in some way part of that side of the equation. Um, <laughs> Plus, the we free. Is, 
Uh, plus, we're free. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second is, you know, things like uh, we've been talking a little bit about uh, uh, having uh, a Netflix with friends session, which is a, a Chrome extension you can get. We can um, load up a Netflix movie. One person will control the movie. There's a chat window by, beside it. So you can do like screenings like that remotely, which would kind of be fun. In terms of the movie theater business itself, um, I'm not sure at which point this will come back. And I'm not exactly certain what the landscape will look like uh, after whatever the changes have been put in place uh, regarding that. The, the the other side of this and the side that I've personally been dealing with a lot is production is shutting down. Um, so people aren't shooting things right now, which means we're yeah. kind of locked into a catalog of movies that we have at this point and no movies will be being made until this all passes over. So for the moment, uh, there's, there's a couple of opportunities I can think off the top of my hat. One is that uh, back catalog of older films that may have been overlooked and missed will now um, get a renaissance. Um, obviously, the one that, that that is certainly getting a renaissance right now is the 2012 film Contagion. Um, and the other side of that is that... Um, uh, new streaming opportunities will open up, and and we'll see how all of that plays out. You know, where the televisions get different, where the, uh, you know, technology around that will change. I'm I am a little bit just uh, hesitant to sort of make speculations that the movie theater business, as we understand it, will come back, which I think maybe is Tirsman's point. Um, but that is also kind of terrifying because it's uh, the livelihood and and uh, you know very specific factor in in what we do. And you know, obviously, you and I grew up in movie theaters, so the the idea yep. that movie theaters might not be around anymore um, is a kind of scary thought. So I'm I'm hopeful that we figure our way out of that, but uh, but I'm not exactly sure what that uh, what that will look like. Yeah, that was a long sentence, so, but I mean it was all good information. But that was a real long sentence. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I am uh, I am one uh, to waffle, especially when I'm in my on my own and I can't see someone's reaction to it. I, I know you should see my face. It's just I was just I was giving you the real wrap it up eyes. No, it was good stuff. <laughs> I, I'm I am glad that you you bring all that stuff up. But I would seriously, I would everyone at home, if you think that would be a good hour long discussion, and we'd come at it not just with our hot takes, but like actually looking into some stuff. Email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail dot com uh, or tweet at us onlymoviepod. I know Tersman, you obviously have suggested this. I'm just I want to I want to take the temperature. I want to see yeah. if if more people would be interested in a conversation like that. <laughs> now I got to be honest about one other thing, which is that I ran a poll last week for uh, which movie we should do. We obviously tried to pick something that was streaming um, because we wanted to have uh, more people to have access to it. Yep. Um, and I got to be honest with you, um, I ran the poll, but I'm I, I am literally in the middle of like five different projects at the at, at the same time right now, and um, and uh, I accidentally put the wrong movie up and the wrong movie one now when i say the wrong movie as in the wrong intended movie huh? um i'm very happy that honey boy won but honey boy was not the movie i was intending to put up what um, i got <laughs> um so the movie choices i put up was paddington painting glory and honey land and the fourth movie that i was going to put up was the peanut butter falcon the other shia labeouf movie that came out last year but i got my honey land confused with honey boy and i was writing very quickly on my phone and then before i knew it i turned around and i'd accidentally hit send um and so honey boy was put in and it was only when the vote started t coming in that i was like Oh man, that wasn't even on my list of movies to put down. It was gonna be the Peanut Butter Falcon. 
but I'm really glad about that. I was like, you know, well, that's the people have spoken, even if I'm an idiot. <laughs> I mean, I this was the one I was the most excited about. So thank you, everybody, for for <laughs> voting on Shahir's gaffe. <laughs> my my complete gaff. Uh, I was I was surprised. I thought Paddington two would have taken it out, but but uh, see, here I we haven't are. seen Paddington uh, one, and that and, and and I wouldn't I would not watch Paddington two if I had not watched Paddington one. Even if people were like, oh, you don't have to. Like it, that just feels weird to me. Really, there uh, I I have seen Paddington one, um, and I would say I don't think you need to see. I, I could tell you the story of Paddington. As like like Paddington One is basically covering what the story of Paddington is. Um, so as long as you know uh, about uh, a bear from deepest darkest Peru uh, who moves in with a family in London, I think you're good for Paddington Two. Um, but that rhyme. <laughs> Yeah, that did rhyme. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, listeners, please, uh, you know, like in the foreseeable future, we will be doing primarily streaming films and we will try to do films that everyone has access to um, so that, you know, more people can kind of have something to listen to, basically. Um, right. Please. Because pl- the other option, Shahir, would just be for us to, like, pretend, right, and mm-hmm. stick with current, like, Black Widow was supposed to come out, I think, like, mm-hmm. May 5th. Oh, uh, we could just, it, should we just do podcasts where we make up what we saw? Right. So, like, for instance, so we might still do, because we're going to come up with a lot of different stuff for this. We might still do a Black Widow review on the day it was supposed to come out. And I would personally, Shahir, I'm just, I just came up with this right now. Uh, I would like to treat it like, like we just basically yes and it and (laughs) review it. And nothing we say from a, from a structural standpoint is ever false. We just disagree on what it means. Oh wow! I I bet you we could with with Black Widow in particular we could probably get there to like I, I, I would say like seventy percent accuracy. Listen, we got a lot of ideas because we're trapped in our own thoughts. Uh, so we got a lot of fun stuff coming up, but not next to each other. I, I miss your face, you here. I miss your smile. I miss uh, your, your smell. But my now, smell, my, my now you're just in odor. your in your coat closet because it's the most soundproof place. In your, it is, in your and home. I'm, I'm also in my pajamas. And I've always wondered why haven't we? Like we live pretty close to each other. Why don't I just come over in my pajamas to record in the pod? And we could just do it in our pajamas, and then I can go home and go to bed. Like, what is this formality? You know, a lot of the formalities of day to day life seems to be changing right now. And I was like, why? Why do I wear pants? Like, I gotta I tell you, so, so all jokes aside about that though. And again, uh, working from home for two years, if you do that. You will go insane. I'm, I'm <laughs> dead serious. So you, you, you need to you need to dress like you're doing something different than living in your house because what happens when you don't do that is you get you sort of lull yourself into feeling like it's a little bit okay to do something different or less or like whatever. And your work, I found that when I did that at first, it, my work definitely slipped. So like I I, I still do it. I, I I I offer this as advice to new people working from home: get dressed. Get up as if you're going to do your commute. Heck, maybe even sit on your couch and read like for the half hour that you would have gone on the subway or whatever, and then get to work and set your hours and do the stuff. Because if you don't have structure, the small space will start met like your home life and your work life will mesh much more mentally than I think is comfortable for either. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's just a two cent advice for me. All right. All right. So Alma Harrell's Honey Boy, uh, a movie, admittedly, I did want to see. Shia LaBeouf had had an interesting year last year with both this and Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah, uh, by, by interesting, you mean fantastic. 
Fantastic year. But, you know, okay, Shia, let, let's do our uh, actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf secrets right now, or a Shia LaBeouf hour. Um, I, I, you look, I had seen, the first time I'd seen Shia LaBeouf was in the pro, the series Project Greenlight, where he came on, he, he like walked in at the middle of like a uh, sort of major casting session and absolutely sort of, you know, took the room by storm. And, and it was the... For me, um, the interesting thing about seeing Shia LaBeouf at that age was that it was a recognition of what stardom was um, and like realizing that this person, you know, had this sort of he he, he by all accounts was a goofy looking kid, you know, like, a you know, uh, sort of gangly, curly haired kind of goofy looking kid, you know, you know, in the in the in the most adorable possible way. I mean, I think um, just a teenage child. Uh, the, I don't think he looked he, he still looked like a like, I don't know. That's he, a, he, he was a young like, kid. I'm meaning it in the most endearing way, but he looked, you know, like he, he he didn't look like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, or he didn't look like, you know, like uh, Zach. Uh, um, uh, Zach Efron? Braff? Yeah, Efron. You know, he didn't look like Zach Efron. He looked more like Zach looked, Braff than Efron. Is that what you're saying? He looked more Zach Braff than Zach, Zach Zach Efron. But you know what was interesting about seeing him there was that he, whatever is the sort of magnetism required to be in front of a camera and be interesting. He had that, especially when they, they sort of brought in a lot of different act, new young actors. And this was clearly a person who was compelling on screen. Um, and then his, you know, like his trajectory from that point had been, you know, was obviously, uh, um, you know, stratospheric. Uh, you know, he, he had made uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, teenage movie of the week sort of thing, uh, but eventually got cast. Um, I believe maybe the first sort of, Big role for him was in Disturbia, the uh, yep. the uh, you know the sort of rear window ripoff that uh, or or was by Constantine before that? Constantine was before that. I don't recall him in Constantine, but was he? He was the kid player? sidekick. He was Constantine's kid sidekick. Right, right, okay. Um, I, I, you know, Constantine uh, is one that kind of passed me by a little bit. Although uh, the director Francis Lawrence was someone I always admired. His um, his music videos, especially his one for Justin Timberlake, um, um, uh, I can't remember which uh, Crimea River was kind of amazing. Um, so I, I was always curious about that film. It, I it didn't really resonate with me, but you know, whatever. Um, I really dug it. Constantine was still. Uh, Constantine, yeah, I, I hear. I mean, I would imagine the visuals are, ama- you know, still amazing to this day. Also, um, a, a who's who of who should be famous. Really? Like, well, Tilda Swinton's in it. Dejimon, uh, I can never pronounce his name. Hansu. Jaiman Hansu. Uh, Rachel Wise. Like, yeah. there's there's a lot of people in that. Other than, of course, uh, Keanu Reeves. Like, who can forget? Yeah. But like, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I, we should do that movie someday. That I love that movie. Uh, and then obviously, um, as indicated by the first scene of this particular movie that we just saw, there was this transformative period, uh, no pun intended, where uh, Shia LaBeouf seemed to take almost uh, every you know major Hollywood role as the lead as the new leading man you know so he was in transformers he was in indiana jones um you know he uh he kind of had taken he seemed to you know on wall street money never sleeps he was this guy that was kind of poised to be the next uh major major star but then and i'm curious about you know your reaction to shia labeouf around this period because there's something that's specific that happens in 2013 that changes the trajectory of shia labeouf entirely from that point well, yeah, I mean, here's the the truth of it. You, I mean, look, you need 
some kids to act so you can have young characters in films. <laughs> but when the 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 safety rails are not in place as we've seen i mean the the first most public one although i'm sure there's been many more was kind of the the drew barrymore uh stuff i mean she was partying with 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 like adults when she was like 13 right um but like the child actors man like if they don't have a solid home structure and a solid lattice work of like how to sort of balance an actual life versus the insanity that is hollywood i think we've proven doing the the tests in our own societal lab that things can go awry um and obviously honey boy deals with with a lot of that as well but like i I, throughout all of the Shia LaBeouf, like when when he was quote going crazy quote, and I, I don't even like using that term. Uh, I was never. I was always like, man, I hope I hope that he can find his way out back from this. Like I I never. I don't know. It, well, it's, I, it's, I'm curious. What I you found thought of him his as treatment a... along with all <laughs> other treatment of adult stars from children's stars a little bit rough. Um, yeah, b- because there's a lot going on behind the scenes. I mean, it, I mean, even in Honey Boy, this is a very minor, minor, minor spoiler. But uh, he was diagnosed, or the character that we is the same thing. Both Shia LaBeouf and the character that he that is in this film, based around his life, uh, were diagnosed with PTSD, and that's not right. something you often think about from a perspective of a child actor you think about military personnel and people who have seen war and horrors but other people lots of other people can be diagnosed and have ptsd um, I, I i can't imagine being on a michael bay set would have uh, not exacerbated that in some way um but i'm curious what you think about like the shia labeouf the leading man that we got in the sort of late noughts you know like the the transformers the indiana jones the uh, Wall Street money never sleeps. What, uh, what did you, what did you think of Shia LaBeouf then? Entirely functional. Yeah. I mean, I mean, here's the deal. He's likable. He's he's got that certain it factor. He he. But but also, okay. When you look at a Brad Pitt and you see Brad Pitt acting, you can tell he's loving it. Right. Like no matter what he's doing, you can tell he's loving the time doing it. It feels like, or at least that's what it is, is exuded. When Shia LaBeouf, when kid Shia LaBeouf was doing it, I, I kind of got that. When he became leading man thing, I got it a little bit in Sam Witwicky and Transformers, but then I think that did what happens to all franchise leads and it sort of like died inside. And then by the time we got to Indiana Jones, I don't know, didn't, it didn't feel like his heart was in it. And then things shifted. And then I think he was trying to find what his heart was in while also, you know, maneuvering uh, through his own demons. And uh, I honestly think that this film, but Honey Boy and Peanut Butter Falcon are kind of a really, a really nice chapter two for him. Or chapter three, but I mean, there's going to be many, many more. It's just, um, it's, it's, it was, it's lovely to see someone come out the other side uh, the way that Shia LaBeouf seems to have. Yeah, and so this all began, and this was interesting for me because this began uh, in an area that I was very familiar with at the time, which was uh, he made a short film called Mm. HowardCantor.com, which was a a sort of a film about... uh, a, a fan's relationship with a critic, and and the film uh, played at many film festivals. I think it went to Cannes uh, and was really well received. And it was only when the film was um, 
released on shortoftheweek.com, uh, which is a fantastic site, by the way, um, that that suddenly people realized that the film was not only um, uh, uh, it was not only referencing a Daniel Close comic. Uh, it was called uh, Justin M. Dimanio, uh, mm-hmm. but it was actually a one-to-one plagiarized. Uh, take on it. It was almost as though the comic was a was a storyboard for the film, and and Daniel Close um, was not credited at all. Uh, Daniel Close famously sort of posted about it, saying he was flabbergasted at, you know, he presumed that uh, that uh, Shia LaBeouf would have, you know, used it as a reference and then changed every part of it to avoid legal liability. Sure. But then when he watched it. Um, he was flabbergasted that that the film was pretty much line for line his comic book, um, and then an interesting sort of spiraling out of Shia LaBeouf kind of happened to that period. But 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 I think sort of interesting in a in a strange in a sort of uh, organic and weird way. Now Shia LaBeouf apologized, but then he plagiarized his apology, and then he continued to plagiarize many public statements until finally he. Ended up walking the red carpet uh, with a with a bag over his head, saying, "I'm not famous anymore." Uh, then he started like getting involved in the world of performance art, and I think he's actually part of a performance art trio. Um, where, well, he, he started a school. You know, he started a theater. He started a theater school, but prior to that, like he would engage in these sort of la- larger scale performance art pieces. One, for example, where he was uh, sitting in a room in um, in Hollywood somewhere, gave the address out, and anyone could come and just talk to him or sit in a room with him and he filmed it as a sort of performance art kind of piece mm-hmm. second was that he um obviously we talked to uh, will temper who'd been on this podcast who was at this event but he you know they played every single film that shia labeouf had been in um and live in reverse chronological for, order in reverse chronological order and live streamed the entire thing and i think he's sort of taken on the the sort of performance art aspect of his of his fame and his career a little more seriously, which you know also has sort of led him to do, I guess you know in my mind interesting work with the, with with filmmakers you know like he worked with Lars von Trier on *Nymphomania*, um, you know uh, he worked uh, on uh, *American Honey*, um, you know so you know picking and choosing really interesting projects, um, and I think the reason I wanted to lay that all out is *Honey Boy* is ultimately part of uh, a sort of melding of the two parts of Shia LaBeouf that we've kind of already talked about that that sort mm. of the the sort of reckoning with the period in the early noughts where Shia LaBeouf was essentially um, you know touted as the next big thing a leading man a Hollywood you know the Hollywood side of this person and then also reckoning with the sort of performance performative side of his personality that he is willing to sort of deal with in an introspective way or at least in a in a performance art sort of way and i think that's what kind of for me made this a sort of curious interesting thing uh, interesting little capsule about shia labeouf um and i the the thing that made it you know the the cherry on the cake here was the the choice of director which is uh, alma harrell uh, whose film Bombay uh, Bombay Beach I managed to see at a film festival many years ago. Oh, nice! Uh, and just blew me away. The, the, I, I was a big fan of um, Beirut, the band who had um, that she did a bunch of music videos for and had scored that um, that documentary. But uh, it it one of the most staggering um, theater experiences that I'd ever had. Um, so I was kind of you know I think I just sort of approached it from that point of view. Mm. Uh, and I'm curious where you were coming from. You know, just like your interest in this film oh my, my interest uh was purely selfish um the the idea that shia labeouf played his own father mm. 
quote, raising him. And again, they're different names. The the character he plays is named James Lort. Uh, the child is named Otis. Uh, but but it is a hundred percent. I mean, to his own, he's admitted this. It's, that's what the film is. It was about his. It's a it's a reference to his his two different periods in his life uh, when he was twelve and when he was twenty two. Um, in fact, I think the only character that in this film that. Uh, is not sort of changed to protect identity or whatever, is Henrietta LaFowl, which was the world's <laughs> first daredevil chicken that uh, his <laughs> his father, whom he plays in the film, was a rodeo performer and a rodeo clown and had a uh, a bird that he had bonded with incredibly uh, uh, named uh, Henrietta LaFowl, who he did shows with. Um, okay. So, so anyway, the, what I found fascinating about this was the idea of playing your father. Yeah. And what that means for you, what that means for your relationship with your father, what that means with wh- how your father would react. Because his father's still alive, you yeah. know? Um, and I think uh, I've watched a lot of interviews with him talking about it and whatnot. And it's just such a... I mean, I, 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 I don't know how you prepare to even do something like this, although I'll tell you how you do it. You do all the other off-the-wall shit that he did, and eventually you end up here. Like, yeah, uh, it's not everyone's journey, but I mean, I can't picture playing my father. Everyone has a, a complex relationship with their parents, uh, if you have a relationship with your parents, and if you don't, that in itself is a complex thing uh, for, with your own psyche. So, like, uh, yeah, that to me, I was fascinated and really wanted to see explored it. Oh boy, does this movie explore that? <laughs> so, can you tell us what it's about and what you thought of it? Oh, of sure I can. Honey Boy, as told by IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, is as follows: A young actor's stormy childhood and early adult years, as he struggles to reconcile with his father and deal with his mental health. Fair. Now, it's funny because in that description, it doesn't say the story of; it just says a young actor. <laughs> Well, and I think I uh, actually I think that's a really pointed omission, and I, I want to talk yeah. about that. Um, um, Good call in, in some detail because I think that's kind of one of my 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 thoughts about this film has to do with the the omission of the word a story of. Could this be the most accurate IMDb movie description on both no. levels? This film works on. <laughs> no, probably not. Why? But, Why not? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think it's accurate. Is it the most accurate? I don't know. There's probably I mean, the ones where they're just the I, plot we of the did movie. the research again in our own lab. I think in 262 episodes, this might be the most accurate of well, all aspects of a film. Tell, tell me what the second most accurate was. <laughs> the second most accurate was probably. I'll go with La La Land. Hmm. Well, I can't, I can't even recall what La La Land was. <laughs> it was basically something along. It was literally exactly what it was set. And then I think the words like set to song were in or something. I can look it up, but, you know, whatever. Uh, at any rate, uh, this is available now streaming on Amazon Prime, which makes it uh, perfect fodder. We hope you uh, had a chance to see it. Matt, what did you think of The Boy Drenched in Honey? Uh, ew. Uh, I didn't watch that movie. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I watched the one with the honey boy where the O in boy had a chicken in it. Um, it was pretty damn good. Uh, I think the, so it, it does a time jump thing. It goes between when he's 12 and 22. 
and it is a fascinating look at uh, when he's 12, He, the character uh, of Otis, uh, played by young Otis is Noah Jupe, and older Otis, 22, is Lucas Hedges. And they both do an amazing job. Like, Lucas feels just like Shia LaBeouf sort of felt in the public eye, uh, but also gives a very humanizing uh, performance as he was uh, going through rehab. Um it, it it kind of it, it, not only is the film beautiful, it's shot beautifully. I think the editing is really strong and actually editing for emotional resonance. I think there's different things that it sort of cuts to to get sometimes even takes on a dreamlike quality with both the cinematography and the way that the shots are put together when it needs to um, to sort of hammer home thoughts that it is trying to get across. Um, the the overall sort of I wouldn't even call it a love hate relationship, but the the codependent relationship in not a standard father-son way is both fascinating and terrifying um and it really does make you uh think about it made me think about childhood child actors in general and how their experiences must be so different and could be dangerously twisted based on who is uh whose care they are under so i i really enjoyed it i thought it was a fascinating look um, I have one slight question. It's not even a gripe, but I, I'll, I'll kind of save that for the end. Um, sure. But yeah, what about you, Shia? What do you, what do you got? Uh, I think I was a little bit, uh, apprehensive about this whole thing because I, you know, like, like I said, the, the, the qualities about Shia LaBeouf's performative arts thing, uh, has been introspective about someone who is, um, you know, very fortunate to be at the upper echelon of what is possible for him and his profession. You know, like, uh, there's a quality to this where you're like, oh, you know, like, and I, and I, but I think the movie kind of, um, you know, sits this up very front, which is like, uh, you know, I think the, the track at the beginning is like, you don't know much about, you know, like, you don't know what I've done, what I've been mm-hmm. through. And, and there's a part of that, that, you know, inevitably, uh, I will be a little bit apprehensive about it's the sort of like, oh, poor me kind of thing. Um, and, and, you know, like I, you know, will kind of say when, when, it's a movie about a very wealthy upper echelon Hollywood actor, you know, kind of going, oh, poor me. I was like, well, you got there's a there's a real there's a bar you have to jump here for me to get interested in this or to, to, to just not have my, you know, my my admittedly uh, preconceived biases not validated. Sure. Um, and 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 I think the film does that smartly. Now, there's two parts to this film that I think are. Uh, equally interesting. One is that it is narratively very slight. Uh, and ordinarily, I don't have an issue with that. I think, you know, that can be sort of a, uh, you know, like movies can be exploratory um, and 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 interesting without having to, like, engage in sort of overly, um, overly plotted mechanics, you know, like plotted narrative. Um, but there, there is a, there's a quality to this film, which is that I think on the one hand, it is absolutely fascinating to watch someone working through their mental health or their their issues that in life that they're dealing with. They're basically they're you know wrestling with the extremities of their own soul on screen. And I think from right. that point of view, the film is absolutely one hundred percent sincere about everything it is doing. Alma Harrell 
is just an incredible, you know, she's just got this amazing eye. Uh, just side note, by the way, every major person that worked on this film, the the cinematographer, the director, the editor, everyone, everyone, almost most heads of the department on this on this film are female. And, and, and I, there was just something about that sort of unified sense of, of um, uh, a female-driven film about this young man that I thought was really, I don't, I don't know if that actually empirically lends itself to anything, but I was just like struck by because we don't see a lot of films with that kind of entirely female working crew structure. Um, right. So I was kind of, I, I, I thought that was really beautiful. And the film is just so beautiful to look at. You know, Alma Harrell, again, incredible music video director. Um, her documentary, Bombay Beach, is so beautiful. Uh, it's it's basically a documentary about the Sultan's people that live at the Sultan Sea. But mm-hmm. she takes these real people and makes them do musicals. Uh, and nice. makes them do dance dance numbers, and they're incredibly staged and wonderful, and and heartbreaking because you realize these are real people dancing to their real to their real life. So she she has just got an incredible eye and transforms what could have you know I think in the worst hand you know in the wrong hands being completely navel gazy sort of you know uh, uh, and, and, uh, the kind of you know would would have not gotten over the bar that I was kind of talking about. She she jumps over it uh, so beautifully, um, and and it is. It is cathartic. It is the, the the word I kept thinking about, or or the thing I was thinking about a lot as I was watching this is catharsis. Mm-hmm. And and watching this film, I thought the film it's the the process of making the film, the process of Shia LaBeouf writing this film. You know, which is uh, by all accounts, uh, the the actual script came out of a writing exercise he had to do while in um, in therapy. You know, it, basically exactly the kind of therapy that he's doing in the film. Well, in rehab, um, yes. In rehab, yeah, and and so you know, like it, it, there's a sort of direct one-to-one relationship with what we're seeing, and then seeing him play his father with both, um, the, you know, all, both playing him as a monster and a human being, you know, like is kind of fascinating to watch as well because you you see the there's this there's this barrier between performer and character that gets pierced a lot during this movie where you know uh where he again is monstrous and you and you know that when he's monstrous we're really looking at him at the way Shia LaBeouf the the child looks at his dad yeah and then when he is human and talking about the the terrible things he's done you know there's that amazing monologue in the middle in the middle of the film where he's at a AA meeting and he talks about you know this is the journey my addiction has taken me on he plays him. You're seeing that this is Shia LaBeouf, the son, trying to reconcile his demons with his father through this performance. So it's an extraordinary performance in that respect. And it's incredibly cathartic for um, Shia LaBeouf. Like, it's incredibly cathartic to, 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 to see him work through that. Sure. The question I have is, is it cathartic for the audience? And I think, for me, that question becomes, an, you know, really lands into a your mileage will vary sort of answer, which is that, I, you know, again, it is narratively slight. Um, the sort of, the resonance that, that the film kind of offers or the, the way in which the film kind of like plays with its its uh, resolve of, of who, you know, of how we get out of the situation of, of this ultimately abusive father and his son in the in you know i don't even think this is really about the hollywood machine it's really about this father and son um i don't know if that is entirely cathartic or i think that i don't know if that entirely says um anything too profound other than these two people will reconcile eventually but there is this 
catharsis in this performance. And I think that in itself is beautiful and and 100% sincere. Like, there's not a false note in this film. There's no point in this movie where anyone's, um, you know, like, hamming it up or anything. They're really sincere about that, and I think that's kind of amazing. Well, I mean, talk to me about the catharsis thing a little bit more because... I guess before I before I sort of talk through the next point, like what what is your not 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 like what the dictionary definition of catharsis is, but like what do you mean when you say when you when you're referencing the word catharsis for you? So the it, it can mean a number of things, but what I mean by catharsis is the sense of resolve that the film has, and it ultimately has it comes down to what is the film saying to the audience, and what okay. is the, you know, and and ultimately what does the audience walk away with from this film? So that and actually brings. Oh, sorry. Oh yeah, well I was going to say for me that is a question of your mileage will vary. And for me it it I, I will, you know, I'll say very honestly that the film itself didn't necessarily resonate with me. But I did think, you know, again coming back to the sort of performance art part of 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 uh Shia LaBeouf's career, I think the sort of seeing that it was cathartic for him what was was what was powerful about the film not necessarily the film itself if that makes it it's a it's a very fine distinction i'm kind of trying to make here i guess but it is that but then sense of the, like what the audience was what the performer is getting out of this sure and then that kind of brings me to the more complicated thing i was going to bring up at the end of this was would this be as powerful if it wasn't about a very public figure that we and 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 about that public, not only about that public figure, but written by and performed by that public figure. I think that uh, that element of it is what may, gives it its power. Um, <clears throat> sure, the, and um, that's, yeah, that's not to say too that it's not a well-made film, um, but also, I mean, you could you could kind of snake eat its own tail thing, sort of, with this entire discussion, right? Because. It's powerful because it's the story of a uh, abused young boy in Hollywood that then also plays his abuser and father in a Hollywood production of that boy's life who is also now known prefer- for performance art. And that's how he started getting into this business. In the beginning. Like, there, there's... It's impossible to separate these two things, of course, but, like, I don't know in this particular case, and and this isn't me saying we should or shouldn't do this, I literally do not know, if it is a worthwhile exercise to even make the distinction, because the experience is the experience. Now, we, knowing a little bit about Shia LaBeouf's life, watching this film, will have what I feel is the desired experience or catharsis. However, it's not going to be the same catharsis that Shia LaBeouf has by performing this aspect of his life. But that doesn't mean that it's not a form of catharsis. We we are going. You, uh, we've even mentioned a couple times in this thing, like that. Uh, you know, it well, it got me thinking about childhood life in Hollywood. Now, I've never been a child in Hollywood, but that doesn't mean that I can't uh, emotionally, uh, resonate with people who have as much as I can outside of a situation. So it's like, I don't know. I, I think, I think when discussing this film, it is so tied in with its creator and the the creation and the creator are so linked. And, uh, one of the creators, I should say that I don't know. I mean, we, I, I could say, yeah, like if we didn't know Shia LaBeouf, it wouldn't be as effective. 
but I I don't do. that that's that's also not um I'm not suggesting that that the if it wasn't Shia LaBeouf or it wasn't um um if it wasn't about his life or performed by him uh, that's 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 not quite what I'm suggesting what I'm suggesting is is whether the like I to me that is actually the the boldness of the film and and that is the thing that makes it powerful yeah. Um, it's part my, of the film's narrative, not its literal narrative, but the narrative of the film and how it was made and why. Yeah, there's a, there's a meta quality to it that that makes it engaging and powerful, much um, like the IMDb and, description. Yeah, um, the 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 part that I'm sort of wondering about, sort of, is whether the film extends that catharsis to the audience, and and I think uh, Alma Harrell does an amazing job, you know, like visually. Um, you know, sumptuously kind of like giving us the sort of sense of, you know, like where this, you know, like you get the the visual sense of what this film is trying to say, whether it resonates for you. Again, you know, I'm, I'm saying personally, like it, it at, on its own didn't quite really land for me, but I think it is a beautiful work of art and, and not one to be diminished in any way. What do you and mean I, by I'll, on its own? So... There's a film that I kind of want to reference, which is a film that I caught many years ago uh, and not a lot of people have seen, but it's a film called Quitting. Uh, and it's directed by Zhang Yang. Uh, it's a Chinese film. And it's about mm-hmm. a uh, an actor and drug addict who um, who basically goes into rehab and and has to negotiate his own demons kind of thing. And, and you know, okay. like, you know, much like this film. Um, the, the thing that was interesting in the film is that, you know, the actor, um, Jaya Hongsheng plays himself, um, and the director was the director of the film that was directing the film as this person had a mental breakdown. And then everyone that's in the film, the doctors that are treating him, the family that's around him is actually played by those people, the real people. Um, and the film sort of does this really interesting meta thing, which is that at the very, very end of this film, again, you know, apologies for, uh, for spoiling quitting. It's an amazing film, by the way, if you, if you, if you get a chance to see it. So tune out um, now, if you want to see it, not be spoiled. <laughs> uh, is that the film, well, this is not really a spoiler, but the film kind of like, peels back the layers and shows us like it does this amazing sort of pull out at the end where we realize every scene that we've been watching has been set on the soundstage and all the actors kind of come forward and sort of surround our lead actor and kind of take him in his hands now whether that resonates for you or not is is one is another matter but but what i found there that there was like a point at which the film was turning its attention to well, what does this story mean to everyone in the audience? Not just what it means to the people who are involved in it, but what does it mean to everyone that is that is watching this film? I mean, that's and, just a different way I, of tipping your hat, right? Well, it's it's yeah. I mean, look, you don't have to do it meta like like that film did, but I'm but I'm sort of curious at what at what um, for for Honey Boy, which is a film I did like. Um, well, at what point where the catharsis comes for the audience, and I I'm. I'm not a hundred percent on board with it, but I, it's certainly a film that did strike. It, it's very, it's a very striking movie that, without a doubt. Um, but whether what it says pr- affected me personally beyond watching Shia LaBeouf go through, you know, realize, you know, basically doing the beginning of the film, which was like, now I've seen what he went through, and that is a really interesting thing. But did it, you know, like affect me beyond that? I'm not exactly sure, um, but. But but you know again I'm uh, I'm just, I'm sort of just trying to toe this line because my reaction to the film itself was uh, somewhat uh, tempered 
but still appreciative of the things that it's doing. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a. Uh, I mean, it, it it worked on I think every level it was meant to for me. Uh, okay. Even I mean, look I, again. I don't think it's even worthwhile to for me personally to try to separate like where my catharsis is coming from. But if we wanted to look at straight up like characters separating from the the meta of what's going on in the real life and what it's referencing. The moment of catharsis for me, and now, you know, we're 52 minutes into this podcast, it's deep, deep spoilers time, um, when he sort of, he has dreams in the rehab place, and mm -hmm. eventually he gets on what we might know is it a dream or not in a dream, uh, he gets on a, he, he escapes, quote unquote, the, or leaves the rehab place and ends up at the, tra at the, at the motel where he lived as a child with his father, and he goes and sees his father as 22-year-old him. Uh, and the father's in the rodeo clown thing, and then it cuts to them having a bit of a thing, and then the the moment is when he's riding away on a motorcycle, and like we've seen a million times in the movie, where normally it's Shia LaBeouf playing the father and the little kid uh, Noah playing Otis. This time yeah. it's reversed, and 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 uh, twenty two year old actor is playing uh, oh twenty two year old Otis Lucas Hedges is then uh, in the front controlling the motorcycle. And Shia LaBeouf, as his father, still dressed as a rodeo clown, is holding on to him the way that he did as a child. And then it cuts away, and then there's no one on the bike. And that right. moment, to me, was the actual moment where I was like, oh, this character is is not going to be okay, but is now working through the stuff where before there was a block, now due to all of the things that he's done and reflected on that we have gotten to witness through this film – uh, has has made the next step in this character's life, and so if I just try to look at it from that perspective again, with the with the apt hand of of um of Alma at the at the helm, I think that does really resonate with me. And then if you want to pull okay. the lens further out, if you want to uh, pull the camera back and see the audience in the soundstage, as it were, I think that just quadruples the resonance uh, for me. Um, Again, everyone's going to experience every film differently. I just, yeah. I just don't know. I, I, I can tell you, for me personally, uh, I don't find the exercise of trying to separate those two things important. Um, right. But that's not to say that that isn't an interesting thing to explore from another person's perspective. Yeah, and 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 your reaction to the film, I think, is a very apt one, and I think it, I think it, it's it's exactly how the film should work and 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 you know like that that idea of that final sequence should work i i didn't uh i guess maybe that final sequence didn't land for me in the way that i think the film should um you know like uh th there's a sort of oddity to to well there's a to me that that sequence didn't quite have the punch that i think i was hoping for for this mm. film but but i but that is the 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 line that i'm trying to tow here is that that in no way invalidates how well executed and how sincere the the story is and how much i did certainly appreciate seeing Shia LaBeouf the actor in old age makeup you know like being the rodeo clown you know being held by the actor that plays him in this movie, you know, and then, you know, and yeah. I think he says in that line, I'm going to make a movie about you. Yeah. Um, you know, like there, there's certainly, um, there's no lack of sincerity. There's no lack of beauty within this film. Um, the, you know, it's the, just whether that resonates. Yeah. I think the, uh, the interesting thing that you said, and I think this might be why it didn't land for you, but maybe I'm wrong. And I guess this is sort of wrap into my final thoughts 
is I don't think this movie is ever about having a punch. I think this movie, and, and, and specifically that word, like whenever we deal with sh- stories of trauma or things like that, we, we are conditioned to look for big swings of and the punch, exactly what you said, sort of a narrative sort of like, yeah, uh, sort of at the end one way or the other. Uh, I would pa- posit that this is a film that in lieu of a punch and sets you up for this as it goes through, it's not going to end with a punch. It's going to end with an embrace. So if you think about what the difference is in that sort of uh, physical action when then torn back and used as a descriptor of sort of uh, an emotional through point or plot point of the film, uh, it doesn't have a big bam at the end like, and this is what we meant. Uh, it has uh, a very subtle thing that I found sat with me longer after it was off, which I think I've I've been uh, a couple films this year so far haven't haven't done. So. I um I will say I liked Honey Boy. I do wish I saw it in a theater, but that's not uh, particularly on the table anymore. I wish I had done it before <laughs> because I bet you the audience reaction would have been um would have been interesting, and I think also a different form of catharsis. Um, yeah. And I suggest that everyone else uh, who has an Amazon Prime account goes and uh, checks it out. What about you? What final thoughts you hear, Honey Boy? Yeah. Um. Again, uh, I think the 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 performance, you know, like looking at the spec, the, the the entire trajectory of of Shia LaBeouf's career at this point, this is the, uh, in a way, the perfect capstone to I think the thing that began in 2013, which is the reckoning of of this sort of introversion that 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 Shia LaBeouf is kind of journey has begun, you know, you know, being about, you know, like in many ways. Um, you know, the character, you know, the, the father says, this is the, where my addiction had led me. And, and I think this movie in many ways is where Shia LaBeouf's reckoning with his, his own life and, and where he was coming from has, has led him. And in, in that respect, I think, you know, this film is a real sign point to, to the kind of work that Shia, you know, Shia LaBeouf, the actor, has been doing in the last couple of years. You know, like, I think uh, his music video with uh, Sia, which I believe Alma Harrell also directed, um, you know, sign points an artist who, in many ways, you know, like, it, again, it, it comes right back down to that thing the first time I saw him when he was coming to audition for the Battle of Shaker Heights in Project Greenlight, which was that there is this X quality to this person that makes them compelling to watch. And it is not necessarily the thing where he is the sort of perfectly like, you know, to, to look at just a, a, another actor at the opposite end of the spectrum, but certainly working within the same field. Uh, the same kind of movies is if you think about Dwayne The Rock Johnson as an actor, right? He's the kind of actor that, you know, is there, does his job really well, is really, you know, seems like a stable, hid, you know, like well put together kind of dude in those kinds of big movies that appeal to a broad audience. And for a time, Shia LaBeouf was that guy. But what we saw, and you mentioned this, you know, even in the sort of Indiana Jones thing, was that there was a crack in the facade somewhere. And that crack is what's being explored in this movie. And in many ways, that crack um, is the thing that makes him an interesting, compelling actor, is the 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 thing that we sort of think about with those kinds of big movie stars is, you know, the, the sort of perfection they lead. But what's interesting here is that the big flaw in this per, in this human being uh, is actually the thing that is most compelling. And I think this movie in many ways is an exploration of that most compelling part of him as an actor. And I, he, he gives 
a, an incredible performance in this film. It is a it is a um, a staggering performance on its own terms, but then it's a staggering performance when you think about what it is he's reckoning with in order to deliver that performance. And I think for for all of those reasons, it's absolutely worth your time and effort. And and I'm glad, you know, if the, without mentioning the c word. Uh, has brought us to the place where we can like revisit these kinds of films, you know. Um, then I'm glad that 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 has happened in a way that that we can do this and we can have a conversation about the sort of the interest the introspection of this movie. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. There we go. Well, this has been the only podcast about the film Honey Boy. Honey Boy, you, sung to the A Team theme song. Uh, how do you Shahir, like your honey? Do you take it on toast? Do you take your honey uh, on toast? Do you take it in tea? No, how don't do you do waste honey? honey on toast. What? Come on. Are you mad? Put that in honey tea, son. Toast? Honey on toast is the best. All right. Write us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. What do you put your honey on? Uh, that's what we want to know for next week. Uh, you just send it in. Tweet at us too. Only movie pod. Let us know also what you enjoy. Sticky and sweet. Don't get weird with it. Just tell us where you put the the food, honey, to eat. <laughs> also, let us know about uh, films you would like us to uh, turn our attention to. Now that we're kind of in an exclusively uh, streaming and DVD kind of world. Oh, I want to shout out to Baby Dread, by the way, who uh, reached out and asked for some Criterion recommendations. And I recommended a film that I was gonna watch over the weekend called Elevator to the Gallows by Louis Mal, um, and uh, which is streaming right now on the Criterion channel. Um, I, I recommend it to him and said i will watch it at the same time as you will and unfortunately i didn't get around to it. i have seen it before um but ah. he he did watch it and uh made some comments about it so again if you are uh self-isolating right now and you want to just talk to somebody about movies uh we're happy to you know to, to throw some recommendations have a conversation about movies um you know pull up a cup of tea with some honey hopefully with us and we'll happily engage Yes, indeed. Shahir, when you are not happily engaging with the stickiest of sweets, where can folks find you? You can find me trying to pee, trying to wash my hands profusely uh, to get both the stickiest of sweets and other uh, ailments off my hands at my website, www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, when you are riding on the metaphorical bicycle of your childhood, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me crying for all of the honeybees at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we're doing over at Extra Credits. Uh, we got some stuff. When's this episode coming out? Uh, oh, next week we have a um, around the same time in two days uh, from the moment that this launches. Uh, we're doing a extra mythology on the tale of the Alp. Uh, I, I, I don't know not if you're familiar Alps? with the Alp. Uh, the no, Alp is, sure. is the I... demon that sits on your chest and gives you nightmares. Perhaps an Alp was on Shia LaBeouf's chest when he was having all of these crazy dreams, or Otis's chest, I should say. Now, wait a minute. Uh, I tend to, I'm a stomach sleeper, so would the Alp be on my back in that situation? Yep, doesn't really matter. Uh, he still <laughs> feeds on your fear, sometimes blood. So, you know. Okay, so he's a vampire. And is it a heat? Kind of, but also a like a fear vampire and a little demon-looking thing. Oh, okay. like the like the 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 little it's demon a Germanic goblin, myth. like the the goblin that sits on the plane on the Twilight Zone episode. Kind of, yeah. Only it also comes with the um, the Mart, which is a, I believe a, a a horse friend that does the same thing. It's weird. Just watch it; it's good. Um, <laughs> anywho, uh, yeah, write us in. Let us know what you want us to do. We'll probably put up another poll. We'll probably do some other stuff. 
Uh, again, uh, thank you for bearing with our technical difficulties in this trying time, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Enjoy your honey toast. But no, don't. Bye. Bye. Bye.